0: All right,
1: I'm ready when you are okay. Welcome to the October 4th finance committee meeting of the Alameda health system. Um, do we have any public comment? Now?
0: We do not. And can I take a roll? please?
1: Thank you. Trustee Steve.
0: Yes. Here. Trustee Fox. Here. Trustee Obligacion. Yeah. Trustee Side. Here. Trustee Splendorio. Is not here, uh, but we do have a quorum.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see the next order of business is approval of the minutes of the meeting that was held on september 6th 2022. are there any uh, corrections or revisions or objections to the minutes if not can someone please make a motion to approve second
0: second all right uh trustee esteem Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Obegacio. Aye. And Trustee Sutton. Aye. The
1: motion passes. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, moving on to uh, the B section of the agenda, the information and discussion items. The first is a discussion uh, of the article that was sent out. But uh, before we get to that, I would just like to ask uh, our esteemed administrators if we are seeing any or expect any impact from the Kaiser strike we
2: have not seen any thus far um I was contacted um
3: well Edmund Chan, was a gentleman who is the area manager for the East Bay for Kaiser had initially reached out to have a meeting and so we were prepared to meet and any other things came up and canceled and so we never had any direct
4: conversation. um I take from that that they did not feel that there would be kind of the, the residual impact to other facilities and thus far we've not seen any we're certainly Prepared in
1: the event that we
4: do see some additional volume as a
1: result, but thus far no. Okay. All right. So we'll want to to talk about the article, which is uh, a modern healthcare uh, mid-year update on financial trends. Um, Any uh, anything anybody wants to comment on the article? Uh, I would ask just a couple of things. One one is. The article mentions a commitment to health, to telehealth. And I'm just wondering how we're doing with that at our hospitals. And is it helping our patients who aren't able to make it into a clinic? I, I will start. But well, I said, Dr. John,
4: if any closer to it, why don't you start? And I'll just add, please. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. As I, I recall correctly, our telehealth is
5: primarily phone, not video right now. But I think that there's a, you know. We can push to keep moving to video. In addition, for some specialties, we've looked at telehealth for inpatient consults as well. For example, I know, um, uh, for example, if we have a cardiologist here at, at Highland, they do telehealth over at uh, Alameda. Our, we have neurology services, especially for our um, stroke services at Alameda, where we offer telehealth as well. So we're offering it in- Ways. Um, you know, uh, during the, the pandemic, you know, we saw that that shift uh, from everything from our centering pregnancy groups, you know, to to the routine visits, but indeed um, we're seeing it, you know, all over the, the organization. And I think we'll continue to see more, especially in the ambulatory spaces, as I've it.
1: Do you think it's helping improve access for individuals that otherwise wouldn't be receiving care? Um, it will depending on its utilization uh, i mean next
2: tuesday our executive operations team is getting an update on telephonic um, communication with our patients and i think then we'll understand kind of more of what's going on if the volumes are picking up and how are those in baskets being managed um, some of that stuff we'll have at least i'll feel like i've got a little more information about me okay the
4: only I would add to what Dr. Tonabene and Mark have shared is that being compensated for it is something that we need to secure. It. So that's one of the things that um, CHA and CAPH are also actively working on because we were compensated on a temporary basis fairly well during COVID. But I, the fear is that the government will walk that back um, as we come out of COVID. And so we need to make sure that we don't lose the, the gains that we've seen by virtue of the funding going away for Tom
1: Okay. Well, I guess for patients who don't have access to the internet, the fact that we're using telephone communications should be a help to them, right? Because we're not shutting them out of telehealth. Is there any other use of tech that's new that's helping patients get access?
6: Uh, Tangerine here. Can you you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Wonderful, thank you so much, uh, Trustee uh, Fox. Um, I would say our use of um, texting, Um, as you know, during um, COVID, um, we really shifted towards uh, increasing how we connect with our patients. And we have found that texting is a great way to send appointment reminders. It is a great way for us to do clinical campaigns And in fact, um, we track our no-show rates, and our no-show rate for individuals who have texted confirmations is significantly lower than those individuals who don't receive texts. So, um, our general, generally, our no-show rate ranges between eleven and twelve percent for individuals who have received texts and have confirmed their visits. So, that has been, I think, a real significant boom to our ability to be responsive to our patients and uh, be more efficient uh, in our care delivery.
1: What's the no-show rate for patients that don't text their confirmations?
6: It was generally between 20 to 25 percent in ambulatory care, so a significant reduction as a result of texting. And can we say that
1: that those uh, patients that text back that they're not coming Are we then able to schedule others during that time generally?
6: Um, uh, Yes, we are. What we do is we do, we're doing two things. One, we send out a confirmation both four days and two days uh, in advance. Uh, And we're now, we started about two months or so ago, um, essentially uh, double authentication, so to speak, which is this notion uh, when someone says, Uh, Yes, they will show up. We asked them again, uh, can you confirm that you, in fact, are a yes or a no? And this has resulted in us making sure that we don't get situations in which someone um, indicates that they're going to show up, but they, in fact, had meant to say that they were going to miss their appointment. We also know that texting is really popular with our staff. Um, We do a survey of all of our patients who receive text messages and um, who also receive clinical campaigns. And um, overwhelmingly, 88 to 93% of our patient population um, find them helpful. Very few of our patients have been dissatisfied with us using this mode of communication with them.
3: Thank you. If I may, Um, Mark Amy, I think, was going to show something. Mark, you're up. Yeah, sorry, Trusty Fox. um, Sorry, slow on the uh, the, uh, mute button. Uh, Trusty Fox, another thing I'll mention, or a couple of things I'll mention, actually. One of them is we're um, in mid December, we're going to be launching MyChart Bedside, which is an extension of the MyChart system specifically for inpatient. And it does a number of really neat things so we're going to be doing a pilot at san leandro hospital specifically so we'll be uh, uh with uh working with chris uh, uh, and his uh, nursing leadership team over there on that and dr dave uh, from our end is helping with this but uh it, it does a couple of things one of them is it will help get the patients to come through there on the my chart so that they'll continue to use it externally and not, uh, externally when they're at home and in the ambulatory space which is something we've had challenges with the pickup uh, of uh, using my chart there. The second thing is it really should facilitate communication with the um, uh, with the patient uh, to their providers, to their care team when they're in the hospital. And so it's everything from knowing what their labs are real time while they're in the hospital to knowing what um, uh, procedures they have upcoming. It also gives them the ability to message with their um, providers, other things like that. So it's, a, it's a quite a robust system. I've used it uh, in my personal life and it's phenomenal. And I've had very good feedback from other patients and other organizations on using it. So we're, we're actually really excited about that. And so it is an inpatient uh, piece, but it definitely has that tie that you're asking for about uh, coming into the out, uh, outpatient. The other thing I'll mention is, um, we uh, provided a uh, provisional um, approval for basically a relaunch of our telehealth program at our last uh, SMART committee. So it is, uh, Felicia had mentioned, you know, we've had some challenges with pickup on uh, using video visits, and so we have a new program that we're going to be launching over the next few months to really uh, increase the uh, the usage of that. And there's a lot of challenges, as James and, uh, and Felicia and others were uh, mentioning in that uh, process, but we do have a um, uh, uh, specific focus on that. And part of that's actually uh, due to a, um, a grant that uh, that uh, Tangerine was actually able to secure for us uh, uh, to help in in uh, in implementing that.
6: Okay. So thank you, Tangerine. Well, well, actually, we can thank the late Senator Feinstein because uh, those funds were a direct allocation from her earmark to Alameda Health System. So the thanks is to the late senator. Thank you.
1: Okay. Thank you. Uh, there was also uh, a discussion in the article about patient financing options. And uh, I was wondering if uh, there's anything new in patient financing options, which we don't have to talk about today, but might be something to talk about at a future meeting. Yeah,
7: we, uh, we, we do some financing ourselves. So, uh, but a lot of for our patient population is really, there really isn't that big of a of a need for it Um, but I thought in the article it was interesting it also gave us a few uh, benchmarks to look at and some trends and I will say for us um, our age we look at over 90 days instead of 180 but if you look at 90 days as a percentage we're at 29.2 percent at 90 the median is 27.9 so we're a little bit high and it's, it's been a struggle and uh, at 180 days, we're at 18 percent.
1: So it kind of gives okay. feedback on some of those metrics. There's also a lot written these days about uh, bankruptcies and the healthcare is probably the number one cause of bankruptcies. And I would imagine that that is very rare with our patients. Would that be a true statement? Well,
7: we we follow the National Hospital Association's guidance, and we, you know, we don't, um, we, not have predatory collection practices. We don't go after somebody's home. We offer charity care. We do all of those things that we're supposed to do. Um, so, I think uh, where bankruptcy comes involved is is uh, a lot more than just the payment to the hospital. It's the whole situation, right? Um, so, uh, you know, we've got.
0: 65 percent of our payer makes the
7: medical or management account which are pretty low income folks they do have share of costs which can be a challenge for them for sure uh, But it's all mandated by the
1: state okay thank you any uh, further questions on the article comments once going twice that's one one part
8: of the article that stood out to me <coughs> excuse me that talked about um, recurring savings, regaining profitability. And I think this might be like a journal talk about commercial hospitals and not necessarily hospitals in our situation uh, for serving the public, but regaining profitability requires unrelenting cost discipline and concentration on producing recurring savings. And you know, as you just mentioned, our clients are primarily on Medi-Cal government Provider insurance with a tiny share of cost. How do we continue those recurring savings? Well, it has to
7: do with efficiency in the healthcare system. So so a lot of times CFOs say, we'll do projections and you've got these ultimate crossing lines. Your revenue is going down and your expenses are going up. So you have to somehow figure out how to be more efficient, whether it's in staffing or whether it's in technology, something because Costs are increasing faster for the revenue, particularly for an organization
1: like us with such high government. Some uh, examples, not necessarily related to our hospitals, but you know, taking advantage of uh, fast payment discounts. You know, not renting equipment when you have the same equipment in a closet somewhere, but you don't have a way of knowing what you have. You know, uh, not buying equipment, but instead just habitually renting it because you've had it. That you've been renting it for years so you keep renting it even though you really could have bought it three times that that kind of thing. yeah that's like smart question smart operation okay so no further comments um we'll go on to d2 uh cfo report okay.
7: i thought i might uh Start with our new dashboard to see if it if it works well for people. Bigger, there we go.
3: So the last
7: finance committee we talked about having a one-page place we could go to see how the organization is doing. So the feedback that we got um, is reflected in this one page slide um we don't have a lot of numbers on here it's really you know how are we doing from the highest possible level there were requests for us to put references on you know where to find more about these statistics we're still working through that because we haven't figured out how to do it because we can't link to a database or anything like that and The whole idea of this was to have less, not more posted on Board Advantage. So um, we're still struggling on how we're going to do that. And maybe it's not an actual reference, but it's a uh, where a report where you can find it. I don't know. We'll have to. If you guys have ideas, we can talk about that. But so the trend line goes back a year and you read it uh, left to right. So um, if you look at the volume statistics, those are adjusted discharges and adjusted patient days. That's promising to, to the ER, level 2 ETA, 4 minutes. Promising to the ER, level 2 ETA, 4 minutes. So the adjusted factor looks at our outpatient charges so that it becomes an equivalent of all of our volumes. So it's an industry standard metric. It can be compared to other hospitals. Um, it's usually in every audit report. It's it's uh, it's it's used by most uh, order healthcare organizations, hospital organizations. Um, we're green on both, which is great news. Um, the first one relates to discharges, and I'm really pleased to report because we added a lot of discharges in hopes of reducing our length of stay, and we're hitting our target. So that is great news. So that tells you right there our length of stay, again, right? And I thought about maybe adding length of stay as a third one, but um, for adjusted patient days, again, those can go up. That's not necessarily good, because if you've got patients here beyond their geometric um, expected length of stay, then um, you know we're not going to get additional funding. So you know we want safe discharges, but we also have to. Um, we don't want patients in the hospital that shouldn't be in the hospital. Um, for the revenue cycle, there we've got the collection ratio. Um, that's on our financial statements, and we're we're showing this to budget just like the volume discharges. And our collection ratio kind of jumped around for a couple of months, but we're right on budget, so we're green at eighteen point nine percent. Our cash as a percent of net revenue. This is a validation that we are actually bringing cash in equal to our net revenue. So if I was reporting a number as net revenue and we didn't have cash in the bank, eventually that would catch up to us. We wouldn't be able to pay our bills. So that is a just as a validation factor. And we always want it to be at a hundred percent. And I don't know if we should maybe put it, what the expected is on here because there's no numbers at all. And that's what we decided to start with. But we would we. You know, want to be at 100%, you can see from this we
1: are green, which is good, it means we're there. <laughs> Question on this one, Kim. Uh, net revenue, is it like the last 90 days net revenue or net revenue year to date? Year to date is
7: what we've been doing. We um, could look back further, because we do have a graph. I don't always show it. I've shown it a couple times since I've been here, That actually since Epic. It was really amazing how we had no cash in the beginning. <laughs> And then all of a sudden we started cat you know, collecting all of this cash.
1: <laughs> so you could have a number over a hundred percent, which collect- would mean that our AR days are going down. That's correct. You're collecting, if we've collected we would have collected more cash year to date than we filled out.
7: Yes. I feel like
8: a financial person would get that. Yeah. You know, would draw that conclusion. <laughs> That's not where my mind goes immediately.
7: So thank you for saying that. Yeah, because it always it takes us you know, we've got an average of about what, 60 to 61 days in AR. And so it takes us that long to collect it. And as we just talked about, you know, we've got 18% over six months. So if we all of a sudden bring down and collect that and we continue to collect our current stuff at the same average, we're going to have a more than cash percent Unless I overvalued it. <laughs> just to make things that's happen. another <laughs> <laughs> all of this is to the budget and, well I'm always estimating what we're going to collect and what our net revenue is I never know what it is in the month that we report it we have these models and we guess at it and yeah. then this statistic is tells you how well I'm doing basically you've got a magic plan <laughs> uh, and then the next one is the gross days in AR and um, we're at 16.1, so we're doing well. Uh, the labor statistics are next, uh, and, and for that particular item, we don't have a budget. We didn't budget gross days. We have a target, so uh, I don't know, again, if we need to add a call for, just so you guys have some some number basis. we can. You know, maybe that would be a good idea. Productivity. We have to work on the training. We didn't get this done this month. Um, productivity is based on um, productive hours per unit of service. So um, for every department, we've got a a unit of service so we can measure the efficiency of their staff. And so if they're at 100%, that means that they're achieving the metrics that we set out, right? And that's what we budget. Um, If uh, we're not at 100%, if it goes lower, that means they're not being efficient and there's something going on in the department. If they're over, you know, it sounds great, except for that they're gonna get burned out, right? And then we're gonna have problems later. So uh, you really wanna be as close to 100% as possible. The uh, registry, we decided to go with registry as a percent of total FTE so that it, we could uh, trend it over time based on different years or however we wanted to do it. And uh, we are red right there. We're still using more registry than budget Our total FTEs are also red because we're over budget in total FTEs. We are also just, you know, you you can see at the top that our adjusted discharges and adjusted patient days are over, right? So our total FTEs should be more because we have more patients to take care of, right? And then our labor cost per FTE is green. So we are pretty much on budget what we expected to pay people. And then the profitability ones, are we making money, is the big question. Are we making money? So uh, we picked several here together. One was the total cost per adjusted discharge and total cost per adjusted day. And the reason why we wanted to look at both of those is because if your length of stay goes down, your cost per discharge is going to go down. And that's a good thing, right? Because you a year, plus you have a bed that you can fill with another patient. So we don't have a hard metric here to show that, um, and maybe we, we should, but that is why we wanted both of those. And then our net income, because we're green, we're, on, we're hitting our net income and we're hitting our EBITDA margin. And then we've got the net negative balance and our net position. These are green here. I don't know that I agree that, that the net position should be green because we're negative, um, and we don't really budget a net position um the net negative balance is in a receivable position so i think that's why we put it as green but i think that's kind of misleading a bit so we might want to refine that a little bit and then for capital we went for percent of capital spend so if we were uh, spending our capital budget equally all year because we actually have a quarterly plan uh, for spend and so At this point, we're at 60.6% of the two-month spend, which would be 3.1 million. So we're starting the year a little behind on the capital spend. And again, because we don't really have the metric there, you just, I mean, maybe it's enough just to say we're red. I don't know. And then the, the grit, we wanted to put the performance improvement in here, but we decided we would report these quarterly. So I don't have that until next month. We'll report on the first quarter we could leave the first quarter in the, in the uh, dashboard until we do the second and the third and the fourth if that works for folks. Because I know this is very important that we achieve these metrics. So um, what do you think? Is this helpful? Is there any feedback that you want anything changed?
8: I think it's great to have it at a glance. I agree with your
7: desire to have rubrics. groups. Are you those? You know, whether it's maybe just the target, not a variance, so you can kind of know, oh, we're green. That means we have to be here,
8: you know. Or maybe, maybe with the variance, you know, whatever keeps it so it's still on one page. Uh, well, I appreciate you reading through it to introduce it. Uh, is talking through the dashboard going to replace any of your reporting?
7: Well, we most of these things are covered in my report anyway. I think what uh, the purpose of this was is there one place we can go and know how we're doing financially. So if this is green, you know, we're doing well financially. If it's red, we know we've got problems and this would direct you to where. And I think that's where we had the conversation we'd like to then be able to drill into that. And that's what we haven't solved yet, just because you know, we can't have a database attached to the board advantage. And, you know, we don't have a standards pre-numbered page five because it changes. So, um, So I'm still struggling with how we can achieve that goal.
0: Could you add the figures to it? Excuse me. Could you add the figures?
7: numbers to it? Well, we did, wanted it to be. We didn't More want that, so we decided not to. But when I was looking at it, I thought maybe we don't have to put the variance. Maybe it's good enough just to put what it is that we are want to achieve, and that way you know if we're green, we're achieving it, so we're good. We're done. I'll we talk about it. if we're not achieving it, you know where it should be. You might not know how far off we are. So, I don't know. I I was thinking we could try that next, and then, because I, I, you know, we have I have it. You know, they my staff gives me the whole thing, but that's a lot of numbers, and it's not going to. It will not meet the purpose that I thought finance committee was trying to achieve.
1: So uh, I would expect that in your report you'll talk primarily about the red items. The only other suggestion I might have is. Would we want to put this page first or, or towards the beginning of of the report uh in the package so that we could say okay you know as i go through the package i should be looking specifically at registry and ftes and see what you
7: know that's see what idea. you
1: have to say about that yeah, i think
7: that's a great idea could, we'll see that first and then i on my report i'll make sure that if there's anything read i have explained it in there I know I'm trying to make my report smaller, I've cut it down by about three pages.
1: Still but got that some doesn't more mean work to that do. we stop after we've read this report. Okay. Right. We've got it. Like we were saying last yeah. time, we have to, we have to maintain our elevator speech. So uh, if we see, uh, one of the board, one of the soups or anybody, uh, Lee in the elevator. How, how are you doing? We can answer, we can say something, right? <laughs> Not just, oh, there were only two red items on the dashboard last right. month. You know, we should carry around with us a little bit more what's going on. Okay. Thank All you. Right.
8: So that's good. That's good start for me.
1: Thanks. Thanks to everybody for their work on this. <laughs>
7: Green. All right, so this is the, the standard uh, presentation. Um, and I start with the volume statistics, and you already know we're green, so um, that is good. So this gives you all the numbers. Um, I'll make a couple points. Uh, the average length stay there at 6.0 we actually beat budget and look at where we were last year, 6.5. So that's a half a day per patient. I mean, that is uh, um, an indication of much better throughput. Uh, And um, you can skip right down to the skilled nursing and see discharges were over by 20%. And you can see the average daily census was over budget. Um, We added the whole bed holds, but we put it in a strange place we put it right in the middle we'll put that under the skilled nursing so that means they were quite a bit over budget when you think that they've got you know 81 holds that they're going to get paid for so those aren't in the actual census so they are you know doing really well and it's helping our throughput Um, i mentioned already that the patient days and discharges were over budget and to me this year, what's key is those discharges, because we said we were gonna reduce our length of stay and we were gonna back go with another human being, and that was gonna be how we were gonna close our budget gap. And so far, two months in, we're doing well. Um, our CMI is down a little bit, 2.6%, which means you know we had less complicated patients from a global view. Um, our emergency, room was right on budget for august however year to date we're down two percent so that is impacting some of our uh, professional buildings. and then um worthy to note here is trauma look at that in the month 17.1 12.7 for the year and of course trauma is usually a lot of commercial patients which really helps our bottom line
1: 20 percent ahead of last yeah that's awesome yes I
7: yeah, so I wanted to also mention that we added left without being seen, that was a request. So we were at 6.5% um, and 7.6 year to date, which is still below budget, but look at where we were last year, 9.9%. So this was one of the, one of the here on our best projects we worked on to try to reduce the left without um, being seen. And so from my perspective, going from 9.9 to 6.5 indicates we had some good work done there. Um, you look at the observation equivalent days, that is really strange. I mean, we're down 48.8% and 72.9 year-to-date, to 653 less than last year. So we were not meeting the standards when we were um, adding these hours. In fact, Highland doesn't even have, didn't even acknowledge having observation. So these, this, um, this billing was uh, uh, didn't meet standards. We were never going to get paid. So when you see these reductions, it has no impact on our net revenue. But what I will say is beginning on November 6, we are going to start charging for observation correctly at Highland. So this is all part of the patient status work that we're doing that Dr. Tornabedi is leading for us. So this um, stat looks strange, and I'm thinking I either need to add outpatient in a bed, which is uh, when a patient doesn't meet criteria and we're not gonna get paid for them, because sometimes you know we have a social admin that we don't have a safe discharge for. We can't discharge them, we have to keep them in the house. Uh, and so that's an outpatient in a bed, right? Or a surgical patient that just wasn't ready to go home yet. And so they stay over an extra day and can't bill for that. Um, and then admin days. And so if I added those two stats, then you might have some equivalence. So um,
3: it's a lot more stats. So uh, we're, we're kind of... Uh, but it's an
8: interesting stat because, like you said, if we weren't charging for it, we weren't going for it, but the person is still on. Yeah. And I appreciate you giving us a few examples. Where else might we see observation equivalent? Like, is it strictly inpatient? Is it sometimes in the ER?
7: So observation is a outpatient service. So a patient comes into the ED and they're being assessed and the physician has to make a decision. Is this patient going to be admitted? Or are we not sure yet? We're gonna wait for some tests to come back. We need to evaluate this further. So usually there's up to two days where you're evaluating and you need to make a decision whether they should be inpatient. They're still there after two days. Usually they would meet the patient criteria, but I'm sure you could tell me cases when it doesn't. (laughs) So, so, um, so basically Observation is the hours and the ancillaries that you can fill while they're in an outpatient status. If they get um, elevated to inpatient, we have to wrap those charges into the inpatient DRG or case rate, and then we get one
8: payment based on whatever the contract is. I mean, that sounds like a lot of people boarding in the ED, and I, it makes me wonder about staffing and
3: you know ER nurses
8: are not med search nurses. How you know, that is you know, what that looks like in actuality. These
7: are big numbers. And uh, I can tell you one it was the San Leandro it was a patient that wasn't in the ED, they were actually in a bed. And they were there for a Yeah, yeah that and happens. they you know they didn't the meet criteria, but we they weren't a safe discharge. So, you know, those are the complex cases that need to get escalated up so that we can find an appropriate
0: disposition for the patient. So hopefully the beds can be helpful help you get out. So. absolutely and and observation services can be
5: delivered in beds. they can be delivered in a dedicated unit elsewhere they can be delivered in the inpatient environment as long as the
7: appropriate documentation is there for for being an outpatient observation and this was not something that we were capturing correctly it's, it's not and we just did the same thing we did when before when we went on live on Epic, so it's a long history. So, but on November 6th, lots of of work underway.
1: (laughs) Question. You know, I'm a fan of acute rehab, and I don't think anywhere in our recording we have acute rehab volume. Is it possible we could put in discharges, a line for acute rehab discharges?
7: Yes, uh, so we, on the entity financial statements, we have broken it out there, which we do okay. quarterly.
1: Okay. So we
7: were thinking we would capture it there. Okay, that's fine. Um, uh, right now, uh, it's considered, you know, it's a cute, distinct, inpatient unit. And so, but on the entity financials, we actually put the set the stats. Okay. So. Great. All right, so let's see. Do I have any other comments I wanted to make? Um just on the clinic visits, uh, they were up 10.8%, so we're seeing some improved access in the clinics. Uh, I know we've been doing uh, a lot of recruiting and onboarding, um, so uh, that is, I think, good news for us to see. And as, as I mentioned before, the work uh, physician work RVUs are down, but I think that's mostly being driven by the fact that our inpatient surgeries are down and the ED visits are down. Are these clinic visits also reflecting the increase in hours of operation so i'll need and some help on that one are we doing i'm not sure oh, i'm not aware are we did we increase our i start yet I think that, that care hours gosh
2: i don't know urgent care hours um I don't we expanded think them about three months ago yeah. to seven five, from five to seven mm-hmm. and it's going really well none of the other clinics yet not that you are you don't finish it?
5: no i don't think so yeah, yeah. But maybe we can look at the urgent care and see how the write myself a note. See how things are going. Chair Fox,
0: mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Sorry, um, in the acute, as Chair uh, Fox said, uh, having the post acute, is it possible also to disaggregate by a vehicle in patient John George?
7: So for when we show the entity financials for John George we will, we do that too. So everything so right is, now, in the this is rolled into acute, right? So in uh, the, we have SNF, we have clinic
0: visits and the acute is med surge post acute and behavioral. So, um,
7: these are acute days. So these do not include any skilled nursing at the top, Perfect. but I believe they do include acute rehab as part of this, because that's an acute service. Do they include John George? No, um, no, because we didn't. I think John George is not in there. (laughs) I should know this off the top of my head, but I'm afraid I am. I know we have the stats page, and we have them all broken out, and I think this is supposed to be the summary of all of it, but we just redid the whole thing. (laughs)
4: <laughs> so, so we could, Let, let's go back and research that because I, I take your point and is it embedded in here or will you only see it on a quarterly basis when we do the, you know, the, the breakout of the various, um, units. And so Kim, let's take that back for fraction and let's just sort that out. Okay. And we'll get back.
7: Yeah. I believe this is the sum of all the you. So, cause we have in the old stats, the ones that we did last fiscal year, we, we had, they, they were posted every, you guys have all seen what you want know, to talk about because they were posted every single month, right? And so they were um, for each entity and they rolled up to this summer. So it has, I, I'm guessing
0: it's just behavior Acute does include psych days.
7: So it includes okay. all the cues. So it's yes. patient John George. Includes we the have. Data. Island San Leandro. It is the summer, so it's still the summer. That's, yeah, that's, thank you, Grace. Yeah, thank you. thank, thank you, you, Grace. Yes. All right. So I think that's everything I wanted to talk about on volumes. So here's my opportunity slide on length like to stay. So despite all that great news, right, we still have opportunity. There's uh, there was. Um,
6: 2,773
7: days over the regulatory acuity models. So those, if we got people out right on the, uh, the day that um, the mean <coughs> for the country is that we would have 2,773 less inpatient days. <coughs> and here's our financial results. So um, our net income was 824000 which was $1.7 million unfavorable for the month. However, we are right on budget, basically, for the two months. And our EBITDA was a miss of $1.4 and year-to-date we're ahead by $4.20 So let's talk about why that is. Here's our, uh, our gross revenue slide. Um, if you look at the gross revenue, we are one percent over for the month and 0.4 for the year. So we're running above budget, and we saw that in our dashboard. Um, the outpatient is doing really well, and it's being driven mostly like by outpatient surgery and some radiology. Um, the inpatient is down. I think mostly because of the ED and the surgeries, inpatient surgeries, and then the physicians are down because of the lower ED. Um, and lower inpatient uh, charges because those are more intensive, you know, physician charges. The collection ratio is down this month, 0.6, and we are right on budget year-to-date. And I think, um, you know, with our CDM increase and the small sample sizes, I think maybe we, um, we uh, maybe Overestimated last month's trauma because we thought the commercial paramix was so positive. And although the commercial payer mix remains positive, some of those uh, accounts flipped to another pair. So then that kind of diluted the, the uh, overall collection ratio, but still we're doing slightly better in commercial on the trauma. This is uh, the next slide here uh, supplementals. And we were positive 2.4 for the month. Um, That's coming from the GME. And we received FY20 and 21 uh, amounts more than we expected. So that was 2.2 and 2.6 respectively. And then we had to pay back an FY22 SPA payment of 2.6 million. Down on the bottom, we're favorable 1.9 due to other operating revenue uh, great news here. We, we got our settlement from Anthem. We've been fighting with them since 2014, if you can believe that. <laughs> and then we actually went to mediation. Sherry Johnson represented us, and she walked away with $1.1 million, and these are on accounts where they underpaid us. And so she, We had a hard time because it goes back so many years, um, and a lot of the claims became stale, but we didn't give up, and... Uh, I think that was great, a huge win for AHS. And uh, this is so important because what happens in the current uh, world where they're looking at what's the correct payment to pay people, uh, we talked about the No Surprises Act, and we talked about um, how if there's a dispute. You have to go to an IDR process. I think last year, we did a presentation on this. And uh, a mediator decides what the payment is going to be to the hospital. And they've been looking at Oshpod data on your, um, your percent you collect on gross. And because we weren't following up on these low plays, that's one reason. And the second reason being that we have such a small sample size it was a fight because we had to show that our OSHPAC data was incorrect, that we need you need to look at current data, not old data, and it, it was we went back and forth and back and forth. So big win, next one that we're gonna go after we should get. Yeah.
1: And another thing that's mentioned in that article that we read is that reimbursement disputes and pursuing them is a major thing among hospitals. So let's stay on it, that's great news.
7: And if you don't go after it. And you ever decide to, you're not gonna get it if you haven't ever gone after it before. Really? Yes. Oh, so ahead. they look at your previous history to determine what's what you you should accept as fair, regardless of a contract.
4: And yeah, what do you attribute Sherry's success to? <laughs> Sherry. Yeah. Nine, nine,
7: nine, nine
4: you know, this has been hanging out there for nine years. And so kudos to you and to Sherry. But what did she do differently in your opinion that was successful this time?
7: Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, there's only one way I can say it, and that is we didn't follow up. I don't know whether we weren't staffed appropriately. I don't know what happened. I don't know you know what it was like in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I don't know. So all I know is that, uh, and and you know, commercials only seven or eight percent of our business, but it pays you know significantly more than our other book of business, and we just did not have either the teams or the, the wherewithal to really should go chase it. I mean you have the reason why these were in this process is somebody reported it. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't even reported it, we wouldn't have a chance. But then there was no follow through at all. How many years of uh, loss, revenue, or incorrect billing does this represent? These claims started in 2014. If you want I can come back next time and give you how much we actually got paid by year. Because a lot of them was too stale; and they got thrown out. But um, I can. We we worked quite a bit on this, and, and, and we the team had to had to uh, justify that we weren't asking too much, and I mean, that's when we got in trouble with all of our Oshkosh data and previous collections. Anyway, it was it's happy to come back on the force. Maybe I can 100%
1: have reserved it. by now. Oh yeah, know, it was total it. So this is
7: a total pick up. And since it's on our, um, our, our archive systems, pre-EPIC, that's why it's shown as other operating revenue, and it's not in the net patient
1: service revenue. Well, that's great, because I know it's so, it, it could be so tempting and easy to just say, oh, forget that one, yeah. you know, and yeah. nobody would see it because it's already carried at zero, but um, great to have that cash and to let Blue Cross know we're not giving up on this stuff.
8: I mean, that's exactly why I was curious about the number of years because, as you said, it's already written off and maybe people are like, oh,
7: it's not that much, it's not that big a deal, but it adds up. Yeah, or, you know, you're pushing staff to do current stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know,
7: it's, uh, I don't know, but, um, you know, if you're interested, I'll be happy to come back because there, there was a lot out there and we, didn't, we only saved so much of it and we're going through this exact same thing with Blue right now.
9: Kim, this is a mod. Uh, uh, just to add on to that, I mean, uh, Kim and Sherry, we we were told by outside counsel even that these are just outdated. They're stale claims. We can't get anything out of it. So we fought even with our own counsels and we said, no, get somebody else assigned. Uh, somebody's going to have to do this. And someone did do it. And we got a pretty big payout. So kudos to the team.
7: And it's important because you know if we end up in IDR processes, and I don't have any history to, to bring about what we should be paid, you know this is a win, right? <laughs> so a lot of it had to do with just making sure we're positioned as,
0: as best as we can to get paid appropriately. I remember those years when we weren't even in contract with them; they were like too small in your case.
7: Um, again, well I you know, I do I, I appreciate Anthem and the fact that we are now contracted so we are contracted for every one of our services and um, so now we have contracted grades and, and we can, I mean, with Epic uh, you know it actually tells us if we're not collecting what we're supposed to collect we've loaded all of our contracts we did all of that last year so now we can actually get reports to see if we're getting paid what we should be getting paid. so well this is yeah, so, yeah okay so and then i have to kudos to retail pharmacy they just keep hitting it out of the park they uh, they are uh, nine hundred thousand more than budget this month and of course remember retail pharmacy sells drugs so that means if they're selling more drugs we're going to have a higher expense so leading into the next slide all right so here's the expenses we are 3.5% over for the month and 2.1 here today. To remind everybody, last year we were like 10%, so we're a lot closer, thank goodness. Um, there's really just a couple of variances to talk about labor, of course, is on the next slide. Um, and that's purchase Services, and that's being driven by Outside Medical Services. Uh, so we were 900,000 over for the month. And then Materials and Supplies is the Pharmaceuticals and um, we we put we changed the way we look at this. It says the offset the partial offset was two point um, two from the retail pharmacy expense. What I was doing before was putting what the margin was. But regardless, pharmaceuticals is the key reason, and our patient days go up. And our uh, we have we don't have uh, our inventory system is uh, it's more it's periodic more than it. So it doesn't always match up each month with patients, but we do have higher volume. We have a over in patient days. So we would expect pharmaceuticals to be up. Moving on to salaries, this is a very strange month. So um, here, um, if you look at the box, now this is uh, just for our non-physician employee, no registry, this is just our staff, okay? We basically have a zero rate variance for the month and we're negative 0.7 for the year. We have a positive uh, volume variance because we haven't um, um, filled all of our positions. Uh, So year to date, it's a negative uh, 0.7 favorable for the month, 0.1. So way closer than we ever were all last year, okay? And then if you look at our registry, that's where we still have our problem uh, that is uh, driving the, ta- the total negative paid FTE variance at the bottom, the negative 47 for the month and 73 for the year. That's registry. But the good news is our registry rates are down. So um, we had 0.3 in the month and 2.8 less for the two months um, in our registry rates. So that is really good to see, Because not uh, I didn't put the slide in this month because I thought we had enough. Maybe I'll bring it in next month about um how much we how much our
0: rates went up, the registry, how
1: much they came down. I got a call from Mr. brasky for math. Is that you, sir? No. (laughs) Thank
0: you. I got uh two of the regular and
2: two small. Thank you so much. Thank you.
7: So employee benefits. Um We have one variance there, Uh, it's um, here, it's positive 607, 4.5%, and negative uh, 7.8, basically. And we did correct the July spread, Um, so we had some budget issues. Uh, We can't go back and restate uh, July, but we, we fixed it going forward in August for the rest of the year. So what's important this month is the variance year-to-date. So I just want to talk about year-to-date and that the reason why we are over is we made some settlement payments on our self-funded workers' compensation. So that was more than we had accrued. So that's a half a million. And then again, we had the housing allowance for the residents. This was a union agreement that we negotiated um, because it's such a high cost of living here in Oakland. Um, so that was uh, 600000 we paid out in this year, and then we're putting 600 back in last year's audit, and then offset by some lower other benefits. And here's the FTE graph. Um, this one just tells you, you know, it compares the current month with budget at the very end. That's what that box is. So we've got... 4,817 actual F- paid FTE versus 4,770 budgeted. Uh, we've got the red, which is the adjusted patient days. So you can see we are above budget. So that means we're going to drive the need for more staff. Um, if you look at the month of August, the productive is more than budget, which means our staff was all here working, right? And um, the non-productive was lower, which Course. if they're here working, they're not on TTO. and you can see the overtime um, variance in gray, 148 versus 213, so that's an opportunity. Moving on to the balance sheet, just a couple things to point out here. We did already talk about the stuff, a lot of things on the dashboard, uh, but we're at 60.1 days in AR, and our fund balance is still negative, so I still struggle with putting green on the dashboard is negative 83.8. And our um, net negative balance or line of credit with the county is a positive 18 million. It's receivable from the treasury. Here's the days in AR graph. like the trend of that. It jumps around quite a bit, but it's coming down. Uh, Sherry's put some um, comments in here. Just a couple I'll point out. One is that both PB and HB uh, collections for the month were better than our trend. So keep improving on I'm bringing in the money. And the other thing I wanna talk about is very bottom of PB, it says deployed new revenue cycle service line meetings, starting with cardiology. And we're gonna roll that out to the other ambulatory clinics. And why this is important is, is when we really start looking at the professional charges are we missing anything, you know, getting the engagement of all the clinicians so that you know we can work together to uh, ensure that you know we're not missing any opportunities. in billing. and also you know to me, having these conversations helps us connect the dots. So um, if we've got a service line and you're in the clinic, you're, let's say um, you know you're in OB, you're pregnant, right? Well, you know we're go- you're going to have a baby eventually in the hospital, right? So you know the whole service line should be connected for that patient, right? So I think a lot of great work's happening here. Uh, with the physicians and also Mark Kratzky and his team. So this is a meeting,
8: like a meeting, people, people sitting together and Sitting talk. together. That's great. Yeah. How will that impact, how do you think that will impact productivity as stocks have to get adjusted?
7: Well, I think that, um, I don't think these meetings are hours and hours and weeks on end and months and months. I think we have check-ins and I think we learn things and we go do the research and then come back modifications and you go check things and then come back uh, and I think it's just really healthy for the organization and I'm really pleased with you know all the conversations that are having that everyone's having I don't know if anyone else wants to weigh in I mean you're part of a, many of these <laughs> uh, and we've just added uh,
5: another service director just started I mean it's awesome opportunity to as we're rolling out service lines to start having meetings with the director or the, the physician leader at the back area and just find opportunities
0: and it's really about finding opportunities discussing is, is there a goal like uh, there certain things like you said which is crisscrosses so many others that crisscross uh patient inpatient specialty uh, that by <laughs> First quarter of, second quarter of this year, we should at least have these many service lines that are, uh, you know, I think that are deploying these revenue cycles. We've, so we've got one established service line right
2: now, cardiovascular, and cardiovascular services. They had very specific timelines to meet, and I think they got. Their, their strategic plan in place within the first six months of getting the service line director. So now they're actualizing their plan. And they're creating um, some efficiencies within the service line as it relates to registration. Um, they're developing a new electrophysiology um, program, which we don't have right now, which does heart relations, et cetera. And so it's really, really working well. So we've got four new service line director positions that we're hiring you to, and the same expectations will occur for them we can, to your point to develop a plan develop their goals develop the direction they want um, we just hired a service line director for over and it's just been for a couple of weeks as long so it's really early on in the development of <clears> these <throat> Sometimes
5: you learn from the first one yes. because those things, as yes. you do it, you can replicate some of that. That is period. our expectation yeah. to replicate as much as we can. Yeah, we, in fact, just earlier this week had the physician leaders with the cardiovascular service line giving the mental download to our OMG um, physicians and also the chair pediatrics too because that service line will be obstetrics uh, and gynecology as well as and sharing those learnings um,
7: to have a faster startup, you know, with this second one. Thank you. It's great because the coordination is amazing that comes out of it, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, but anyway, it, 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 you've got to have all the people at the table. You've got to have revenue side, you know? You've got to have you know regular integrity. Gotta, it takes everybody. So. Um, And then here's patient collection, and, you know, as I say, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak. You know, we're 12.1% higher than we were last year, and we just continue to have this this positive trend. And uh, here's our projection on the net negative balance, or our line of credit with the county. Uh, There's only one change in this, um, and uh, that is that we had to take out $40 million. Um, Typically, or in most years, we get an HPAC amendment. Um, and it's based on previous year calculations on, um, realignment. That's the formula that determines how much money we have to give back to the state. Um, and when we did the, the preliminary numbers, it looked like we weren't going to qualify to keep any of it. So when that happens, we don't do the amendment and we don't receive the money from the county. Um. We did receive. You might remember from my report just recently. We did get our the entire amount or almost all of it, 38 million of it, um, from two years ago. The year before that, we got six million. The year before that, we got zero. So it jumps all over the place. And so we'll do the next calculation in January and see if we're entitled to keep any or not. Good news is we're below the the line of credit balance. Uh, we did pick up a bit, and we are going to uh, extend the forecast one more year, so that we can um, be prepared for you know how our expenses and revenue are going. But I don't have that for today. Here's the table, and the only thing that's changed is we took the forty million out of January '24. Any questions? Any other
1: questions? Thank you. Okay. And we're on to Chief Operating Officer report. Yeah, thank you,
2: Trustee Fox. And on Zoom is James Helena, our Director of Facilities. Um, Mario Harding also is available, and James reports to Mario. And these two are literally riding herd, you will on an unbelievable amount of facilities um, activity, and that's what we'll. That's what they'll be presenting tonight. Um, and then we'll have a little time for questions so james um i guess i'll turn it over to you
10: mark thank you very much paul appreciate your time do you all see my screen yeah thank you hello everyone my name is james helena i am the director of facilities and engineering today's presentation revolves around facility projects current projects by facility projects in progress at each facility, county collaborations, as well as we'll be speaking about future planning. Here we see, pictured of the San Leandro Hospital with a footprint of just over 141,000 square feet. We are excited about the things we are doing here. These are some of the projects in progress. We are doing work outside as well as inside, starting with the exterior paint, and followed by new asphalt and restriping of the parking lot. The education center will receive some upgrades by way of roof repair and a new HVAC unit.
11: Hey James do you want to go sorry to interrupt do you want to go to presentation well are you able to If not we can leave as is. Yeah, here we go. Sorry about that. Thanks.
10: Here you see some of the images of the San Leandro Hospital. In the top left corner, that's the painting work going on on the rear of the facility. As you can see to the right, up, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. As you can see in the right hand corner is the, is the facility with its uh, original color. It hasn't been painted in over 25 years and we are very excited that this project is underway. Uh, in the lower left corner, you see some of the images of the asphalt that has been recently been repaired, as well as some of the striping that is underway. To the right is the image of the CT of a CT scanner. But I am very pleased with the following slide. Here you see the new CT scanner, fixed X-ray, and two ultrasound rooms. Beautiful work that they've done. The go live date for the CT scanner is 10:23, and the uh, Fix X ray is already live.
9: Wow, look Follow at that. Ceiling. I, know. <laughs> I know, I like the ceiling. Follow
10: along, here we have the Fairmont Hospital. Again, many activities and projects in motion. Projects in progress. Here we have, beginning with the nurse call upgrade in buildings B and H. Additionally, there is a call center being built out in the E building, not to mention boiler work consisting of retubing and replacement, capping off with adding ADA push bars in all patient restrooms in building B. This is some of the images of the boilers that are either being replaced or being retubed. They are in building C, building E and H. The top of this next image is a temporary generator. As in 2022, a transformer blew on the campus. This project is being paid by Alameda County. We are also having seismic analysis done, which is reimbursed by the county. Lastly, we are adding fencing uh, around the building. And the building that we're adding the fencing to is building C. This next slide is our uh, beautiful uh, Wilma Chan Highland Hospital. Again, a multitude of activities. We are upgrading the nurse call in the K building, along with upgrading the HVAC's building management system. Moving along, moving over to the Highland Care Pavilion where the conference rooms slash classrooms are being refreshed. Then there is roof safety where barriers have been put in place and access to the roof has been limited. For the Highland Care Pavilion and the Acute Care Tower, we are adding emergency power outlets to avoid disruptions during pg e power outages. Moving on to beautiful Alameda Hospital, also with a footprint of uh, just over 150,000 square feet.
0: Trauma to the ER, level two stat. Trauma to the ER, level two stat.
10: Here you see some vendors we have contracted with, beginning with Ratcliffe for design, Anderson for flooring, Centermark for roofing, and DISH for provider platforms. Starting with the main hospital. Excuse me. Starting with the main hospital, building E. We are replacing the roof and gutters. In the pharmacy, we will replace the flooring and moving to the roof where Dish will set up their platform for other providers. Lastly, the central the central utility plant infrastructure. This is a multi-phase, multi-year project. Thanks to a donation by the Alameda Hospital Foundation, we are able to shorten the number of project years from five years to four years. This was a this will allow us to resolve the historical temperature and humidity issues. Moving on to South Shore. Last year, our patients were temporarily relocated to the Fairmont Hospital while, replace, while we replaced the entire sewer lines, followed by new flooring, fresh paint, and new and main electrical. Here you see some of the images of, the, of a patient room. The, pa- the image to the right is the common corridor we had to saw the floors up and replace the entire sewage lines to the facility. But the next slide, I think you will be very uh, happy with. Oh. Totally different. Totally different. This is, uh, right now we, we just received H-CHI, uh sign off last Friday, and now we are moving on to CDPH for their final sign off. Uh, the facility looks great. We have new flooring throughout, fresh paint, uh, it's it's totally different place, and I believe that our residents, as well as their family, will, will be uh, very excited for to return to this facility. And I'm sure it's it, it will also boost our staff's morale. Some more images. That's the common corridor, and that's a patient room. So for any of you that may have seen the facility within the last year, you know what it looked like. You would really appreciate these images here. Lastly, oh, next, this next slide is encouraging as this is a collaborative effort by Alameda Health System and the county GSA. Alameda Health System and GSA conducted a facility condition assessment. Although this is really uh, early assessment by GSA of the areas that are there to be working on, not attached yet are shown the cost and timelines but for key infrastructure work at the Fairmont and John George campus, this is an early indication of the areas of focus where they will be working on, where they will be working down the course of the next couple of years. Some of the things they will be doing uh, is the assessment of the Wilma Chan Highland Hospital, the admin building, the service building, the, the correct, the wings A, B, and C. And for the Fairmont campus, they're looking for things like ADA, electrical, plumbing, structural, fire, interior finishes, the roof, the wing and service building, mechanical equipment such as pumps and uh, things of the like, passenger elevators, interior doors, and composite floor decking. Now, look into the future. Mario, the floor is yours. Thanks. Thanks, James. Hopefully
11: you can hear me okay. I'm coming to you from Alameda, my office here. So, um, and again, um, James, just I, I will just say um, the last year, the work and projects that we've been working on, it feels like we've been trying to do a multi-touch to the projects in the last year. Um, Making up the work probably over the last three to five years, um, so there's a lot underway. So as it relates to the future, we go to the next slide. Kind of uh, what's sort of on what's on the horizon. Um, so at San Leandro Hospital, you'll see one of the major projects we have underway is expanding sterile processing. So as you may recall, um, sterile processing um, was shut down at Alameda Hospital um that was probably in march of 2022 we had there were some serious concerns um there and uh we made the right decision decision excuse me to mitigate our risk and uh and shut down um the, the sterile processing there so right now of course alameda instruments are being uh, being um, processed at highland so what we've uh, decided to do is really go take this project a little bit bigger, if you will, syrup processing at San Leandro footprint um, to actually look at expanding it to um, the back of the building. So um, doing so uh, would put us um, in a position to do more um, instrument processing, if you will, for not only San Leandro, but for Alameda and and, and possibly we'll um, see the, you know, the, I think about the dental clinic at these, uh, these uh, Eastman. So, um, so this is a much bigger project than when we started. But again, there is a huge shift of surgeries moving over to San Leandro. So we want to optimize the ORs there. And let's see next slide. I think these are just uh, yeah. So let's looking at what's happening around um, at Wilmachan Chan Highland Campus. Um, The retail pharmacy development, um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, and and James can fill me in the details, but um, I I think right now we have the retail, and the retail pharmacy is maybe sort of integrated into the discharge pharmacy there, Uh, but this sort of pulls it out with separate, um, with a separate um, um, entity of its own. Uh, There's the HCP dental filled out, which, which again, where the executive offices are vacated. And then you'll see for all of the buildings here, there's a significant amount of work that is related really to the seismic assessment um, that are required by the by 2030. Uh, with the most extensive, certainly at Alameda Hospital. Next slide.
1: Question, Mario? Yes. Um, what does the retail pharmacy development consist of?
11: So I'll allow James. Do you want to expand on that further?
10: Well, what I can tell you is this, we are the outpatient pharmacy, we have some opportunities to possibly locate the pharmacy in the Highland Care Pavilion, as if we were to currently locate it within any acute care facility, it would come at a higher dollar amount due to permitting fees, design fees, and things of the like. And if we were, right. to, if we were to explore opportunities in the Highland Care Pavilion, we have an opportunity to save money. As well as providing it in a in a location that's um, acceptable to patients that are going to that. Uh. And James and Ellen, if
2: I could just augment the answer to your question, um, the State Board of Pharmacy wants us to separate our inpatient operations from retail. Uh, it's the law. It's a regulation, and ours are combined right now. They share space, Ellen. So really,
1: the inpatient will stay where it is it will create separate space for the retail. The reason I ask is, and I think I I mentioned it once before a few years ago, filling prescriptions is very profitable. And, you know, obviously our retail pharmacy has grown and it probably partly reflects the growth of our outpatient business. But if we could do anything that would make it more attractive for our own employees to get their prescriptions filled here, rather than going to... CVS and Walgreens and Safeway. Yeah. Um, there's probably a big profit opportunity here for yeah. us, considering how many, how many uh, employees, physicians we have, and um, you know how people tend to have multiple prescriptions that we take. And I know there's a confidentiality concerns that was talked about before, but I mean there may be some. I would surmise that there are probably some prescriptions that many of our employees and physicians are are getting refilled that are not that confidential. You might be taking the statin that isn't something that you're terribly sensitive about. Not a good example, because I don't think that's a high high profit prescription, but, uh, you know, and it might, if it was an attractive place where maybe you could pick up a, sundry items if you needed like a birthday card or something maybe some of our employees would have their yeah. prescriptions filled here rather rather than making another stop on the way home yeah. and that could be an opportunity Yeah, so i think this will offer us an opportunity to think about efficiencies
2: to think about confidentiality to think about the number of windows we need to manage all of the people coming in versus the one we have now you know so i think it just allows
1: us to think some of the things through that you're describing now when you see a, a CVS or a Walgreens, even a small one, you know, they make, they make all their money from the prescriptions. They don't make any of selling golf balls and stuff like that. Maybe we could put a, a birthday card kiosk down
7: there. <laughs> 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 sure. Why not? It is okay. convenient for, for staff, for sure. Yeah, Walgreens. <laughs> Clothes all the once, so. oh, you
11: okay. okay. Does that answer your question, Trustee Fox? Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we have a couple more slides, I think. Uh and then uh let's see, next one. Just uh the community hospital. So a bit of more about Alameda St. Leander as we look ahead. This is kind of my wish list. Um and so as we look ahead to the future. So if you know if you've been to St. Leander Hospital, the third and fourth floor, which is the Q rehab, that floor was, uh, completed in 2019. It's really nice. Um, then you walk down to the second floor and the mid surg unit and um uh, it still has the old vibe and feel, right? Um, so there hasn't been any or very little um, renovation. So, uh, you know, at some point, and including the ED as well, I, I'd love to look at um, Renovating, refreshing both of those units at some point in the future. We talked about the sterile processing um, pharmacy renovations at at both Alameda and San Leandro Market. You mentioned this. We, you know, the state board of pharmacy comes every year, and they look around and they say, "Wait a minute," which is one of the reasons why we're we're replacing the carpet at um, at Alameda. But There we've had some challenges with um, some mold and some other things in the the hood, Um, and then you get into some of the pharmacy USP USP seven eighty seven I believe requirements. But I I think we really need to look at um, both of those hospitals. The the pharmacy is tight; Um, it's you know the the amount of work and uh, that's doing there is much more than where they were doing years ago. So. Uh, Another opportunity there. And then the second floor remodel, this is Alameda Hospital. Um, Again, the old labor and delivery unit. Um, You know, there's a hodgepodge of activities up there. We have the AIM Hospital's Office there. We've got some case management, occupational therapy, other offices. So it's been pretty dormant over the years. (laughs) But perhaps, you know, certainly the opportunity um, to look at maybe different programs, um, you know, um, utilize it that space more. And I think the last slide, or maybe that was the last, Fairmont, again, seismic assessment for Fairmont, um, looking at remodeling the building, a building age to support the medical or hospital medical unit. Um, so these again, are future initiatives. I believe that's the last slide, uh, but, but again, um, uh, you know, like I said, as I started my um, my presentation, there's a, a significant amount of work going on. And, and I give kudos to James um, for undertaking a great deal of his work and his team. Um, and I say we are small but mighty. Um, and I say that compared to where I came from, just the scope of the department, there's a ton of work. These are the major projects that are going on. I think one of the other things that we want to look at in the future certainly is master facilities planning uh, that's something really thinking ahead um the buildings the hospitals what programs should be we where and, and as we think about developing programs part of that is you know you have to look at the infrastructure so um so i we just want to you know as a part of our presentation just to underscore this is a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes infrastructure but absolutely critical to Day-to-day operations in hospitals, to you. So I'll leave it there. And um, if you have any questions, we're willing to take those.
1: Are these projects uh, part of the twenty-two and twenty-three and twenty-four capital budget allocations?
0: Is- yes.
1: Yes. Thank you, Mario and James. It's just like the scale of it and the. Throughout the facilities, everything, needing everything, all at once, almost. Um, yeah, that's a lot of work. So, thank you. A lot of projects. How how big a staff do you have to manage all these projects?
10: Each facility has its own. Well, many of the facilities have their uh, engineering departments. Some are small compared to like Highland, but you know we have five five engineers. At Alameda Hospital, which takes care of South Shore, Park Ridge, Freedon, and things of the like, a, a similar crew for San Leandro Hospital, and, and our Highland Department, which is a, a Department of Trades, uh, you know, we range about 18 to 20 people.
1: Okay, and who who, among, who has the responsibility for watching the budget that the, <coughs> the bills come in versus the budget that we have for these projects? You're,
10: you're speaking to the person. Okay.
8: <laughs> I have just one question about some of the work at Alameda Hospital. Is any of that related to the HVAC stuff that we've been discussing? And you know how I know we talked about doing some of the work. How close do we get to the boiler and chiller work that's going to bring the hospital up to standard and really make people feel comfortable? Um, or- James, I'll
2: respond to that um, and please help me if needed. But the first year, which we've already started, we've got architects uh, at Alameda beginning to give us the scope of the work, the pricing, the estimates on all sorts of things. But the first year includes the humidifier, the outside hookups, and one other project. And we really believe that as we progress through year one and a half, the humidification issues will be much less. Um, Then we follow with the boilers, the chillers, the steamers,
10: all of those other things over the next three years. So it's not going to be perfect after a year and a half, but it'll be much better. And then it'll be a continual progression. James, anything to add to that? No, sir. I think you've captured everything. Thank you.
12: I do have a question. So are these projects... Uh, being contracted out, or are these being done by employees of AHS? These are significant,
2: multi-million dollar, hundreds of thousands of
12: new contract. And so then, I have a follow-up question. If because it's significant, so are we contracting this to union? jobs or non-union there as far as i know they're
2: all union
8: they're all union. Yeah.
9: Yeah. The um, trustee sure. obligacion this is a mod as part of that i was on the on the call as well so these um uh, the projects that james has uh you know, highlighted in his presentation, they're public works projects. And public works projects are required to be bid out in a very special way. Uh, Once uh, uh, we choose a vendor, we're required to, for example, register with the state and the state uh, uh, requires each contractor to pay a, a prevailing wage. For example, there's some very... Uh, comprehensive steps that needs to be taken in order for some, uh, in order to ensure that prevailing wages are being paid. And as Mark stated, most of these are going to be union uh, jobs. One one thing I would like to add in, James, is that um,
2: our Eastmont clinic we're moving adult dental over there, and we're in the midst of all that planning. We expect by next July, maybe into August of 24, that that project will be completed. It's a big project, um, and we're really, really pleased. At the same time, you heard about the planning up here on this floor, uh, related to more
12: dental presence. So there's just so much going on, it's, it's well, Just want to make a comment, I'm glad that these are, I mean, thank you for, uh, I'm not giving Some information that these are union jobs right and this is really good uh but maybe not because of this uh projects but i know that there may be one in particular that we did have it with the union um it's a union job but now it's non-union job and those people i'm hearing you know stuff like I'll just put it out there, that our security guards here are, 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 it's a non-union job, and they are being disrespected by that employee, and hopefully that, I know that their contract is going to be renewed next year, and that we really need to look into that, because these are, most of the security guards are black and brown employees, and they are being disrespected by their employer, and I believe that those are things that we have to look into. And so I have a big issue on that when I'm being approached by some security guards, how they've been disrespected, how they, you know, uh, if they complain, the next thing you know, they're being removed. So that's why I've asked that question about these projects, but I'm happy that it is union jobs, but at some point, I want to see that we bring back where the security guards, and it might have been controversial back then, but we, AHS, did have union jobs for security, but now it's not. But I just want to remind everyone here, if we're talking about you know, diversity here and how are the black and brown security guards are treated unfairly, that is not
1: acceptable. Like just want
12: to make that comment
1: thank you for that comment i think that will be part of the discussion when the contract comes up for renewal yes i don't know what month that will be but i think it will be 2024. and i I just
4: that is a very troubling comment it and it's more troubling because this is the first i've heard it and so i'm i'm glad to feel comfortable sharing with you but i i'd love to know more and so if i can speak to some of the folks who are approaching you with this I'd love to know, you know, the details of what they're saying to you because this has never been brought to my attention previously. I don't want Margaret Beburne about this, but it's new news, and I don't, I don't believe we stand for that if we were aware of it. And so if you okay. can help us, just d- dig into that. I don't want to wait for the contract. I mean, if they're being mistreated, I want to know about that right now.
12: I would encourage you guys to have conversation because the security guards would be there happy to except They never brought it to us. I, I could have conversations have with
4: everybody hi. in this company. Yeah. But if they have problems, they don't tell me about them, or at least raise their hand and say, "I'd like to talk about something." I mean, I I think it's kind of hard to think well, that I will be proactively able to touch everybody. But if they can stop and tell you, I I wish they would do the same
12: for me. Well, they may be afraid, right? I mean, so can we blame those those people that that maybe they're more comfortable approaching us because you know, um, so, yeah, I'd but suggest- then they may not be comfortable in with other people because the minute that it gets reported, my understanding is that
0: they're letting them go. So just as trustees, I think if someone comes to us and says that, we should, uh, it's a really good idea to say, hey, let's have a meeting, let's set up something that if you have opinions or something, our CEO needs to know about it. Don't worry about retribution, legal or I mean, from their employer, their contract, it's important for us to know so that there can be some actionable and some kind of mitigation on this. I know that, as an ethos, we do, uh, both and ELP care about working conditions, especially those who work at the... You know, well, uh, the contract you, is going to come
12: up next year,
0: so I think that's... Well, but like I, you
2: said, now you can do yeah, something But you know else. what, let me... Uh... Amal Amity is our director of security, and I will, I'm will i going to check in with him to see if he's heard any of this. If not, I will have a discussion with him on how we may go about trying to get some feedback. Okay. You don't
0: um, have so,
1: to wait at those things. No, All right. absolutely. Well, I, I can, can talk to you I about to this, this, too, because I've been approached you. by uh, uh, somebody from SEIU who works with these. So All right. Mario, did you have a comment?
2: I was just gonna say a report. Oh, James,
1: me. James I think do you have your hand up, James? Or no, no I was
11: okay. I was just gonna say that area reports up to me. Um, and so does Emaul, and I've not heard of um, the conversation until this evening. So um I will connect with Mark as well, um and Emal um, based upon the concerns brought up. But but again, I echo there is no need to wait until the contract um, we should be addressing. Um, those matters um, as soon as they happen.
1: Thank you, Mario. Thank you for bringing
8: that.
1: Thank you very much for your very complete report. Yep. Absolutely. It. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, staying on top of all these uh, many, many projects. No, that's not an easy job along with uh, your, your day jobs. If I may, just,
4: and I know we're wrapping, but I just have to say about James, um, when I do my rounding, I am, you know, things are pointed out to me and I was running Eastmont and there were a number of issues that were identified with the physical plan at Eastmont. And uh, James was out there the next time I went and we walked the building with um, the, the woman who was the, the manager for that site, as well as our medical director. And they have made some significant changes to the physical spaces um, that are in use at Eastmont, and so I just, I'm grateful for your responsiveness, James, and I think that um, the entire organization, certainly Eastmont, is um, better because of your willingness to just put your, you know, your shoulder to the the wheel and make it happen. So thank you.
10: Thank you very much. I appreciate the comments and, and the positive feedback. I'm here to serve the organization and this wonderful community. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're on to the action items. Uh,
1: contracts that are up for renewal or, or change. And, and Dr. Tornabeni, I think these are both yours.
5: They are?
0: Yeah. Would you like me to speak a Take bit it about away. Them?
5: Okay, sure. So starting first with um, Alameda Inpatient Medical, we have two major contracts with Alameda Inpatient Medical. So this represents a renewal of one of them. This is um, Alameda Inpatient Medical has been a very long-time partner with Alameda Health System, um, an excellent group of physicians. And for for this contract, this is the care that they provide at our post-acute locations, as well as at John George. Um, They provide internal medicine um, care and consultation for our patients um, in in those areas. For this contract, this actually does uh, represent a um, net increase in the services that they are providing that is called out in the board report summary here, um, specifically some additional hours at Park Bridge and, and South Shore as well, as well as additional of our employee um, history and physicals that is a regulatory requirement in the post-acute setting. And so these positions provide the h for our staff.
1: I have a question about yeah. that. On, on the summary where several of the um, locations have asterisks, does that mean that, this, that the service is new there or just that it's expanded? Expanded. So everywhere that's on this list, we've already been there. We have, indeed.
5: And they just represent either increased numbers of history and physicals or um, increased number of on-site hours. And so importantly with this uh, contract also, um, this, Uh, These services, we had not had a significant uh, financial increase for them in five years. It was um, 2% over five years prior. So this represents a catch-up in in compensation um, for this group, as well as some escalators in year two and and three of these contracts. Um, So with that, I'll take any questions.
1: One more question. is our... Is that our intention to eventually use our own employed physicians at these locations?
5: Um, at this point, we haven't changed our direction at all. Uh, we've had this long-term relationship with them. I'm aware that there's been some background discussions, but none directly with me about changing
1: that. Okay. Is that a direction that we were we would be taking, James, to, to move toward our? And I know we don't have. All the physicians that we we need eventually on our staff, but is is that where we would like to be someday? You know, it's a great question,
4: Chair Fox, and I appreciate you asking. When, you in my first tour of duty here, we talked about the the vision for the physician medical group, and it was the the metaphor was a comet, and so there was the corpus, which was the employed physicians, and then in the tail of the comet you had. Um, in contracted positions and you had community-based positions and there was there was room for all of them and um and i I still think that's a a fitting analogy i think the preference is to have a majority of the positions employed to the extent possible but there's room in this organization for community-based positions and i think given the you know the variabilities um there's room for contracted positions so i think that having said that Yes, we want to employ to the extent possible, but there is still space for those other uh, physician relationships.
1: I think on a going forward basis. Okay, so if we have community-based physicians, as opposed to AHMG physicians, working at these facilities, um, do, uh, do they do they work? Yeah, would they work independent of the hospitalist group? be are yeah, they part of the hospital
4: Well, group? They're, they're not part of the hospital group, and I, I will let Felicia take this because it's her bailiwick, but, um, you know, we have, for example, Dr. Buket um, was recently doing some kind of negotiating because we have a longstanding GI physician, San Diego, a community-based doctor who's been very instrumental in our ability to provide GI services. He's now kind of stepping back a little bit, and we are stepping in the backfill behind that. And I think that is really kind of... That's anecdotal, but it's emblematic of how those relationships have worked. But Felicia, i welcome you or Dr. McKenna if you wanted to elaborate a little more on that.
5: Yeah, for the, so an example of where they work even within the same facility. So our AHMG physicians, under the leadership of Dr. Subramanian and Dr. Yusuf, they <clears throat> run the, the hospital service for acute care at San Leandro, and Alameda Inpatient Medical does the rounding for the acute rehab. And so even with that, um, that, I think, is the only one of our facilities where um, the, hosp- the, the hospitalists work in, in the same environment, because at Alameda Hospital, AIM covers hospital services, and here at Highland Alameda, Medical.
1: Are our costs comparable whether we use HFG physicians or community physicians or hospitalist physicians? Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. Um, Kim, do you have a, a sense of that? Are the costs
7: comparable? I'm sorry, what?
4: The the question was Are the costs comparable if we're using HMG positions versus contracted positions or community based positions?
7: Yes, we do the FMVs and we try to be at par. Uh, In fact, there's been a lot of adjustments made to make sure that we are treating everybody equally. And of course, there's some complexities to that when you keep your billings and you you have to look at the whole thing. But there's always an analysis done.
2: Um, so we try to, to be fair. I noticed, um, kind of an aside, that like one of the sponsors of NPR is Sutter, advertising that they recruit for doctors. So
8: and, you know, healthcare professionals in general are kind of hands-teeth. So part of the reason I guess to have a
2: very agitated strategy is because that's a great run, the way you're going to get enough body to work, right?
4: You know, we struggle. To, you know, you're, you're exactly right. We struggle. Um, but then I look at an organization like St. Rose and we'll be having more conversations about it. but we are contacted on a regular basis by St. Rose because they just are unable to find, because you said it, they're like Hinstein and they have um, they have choices and they can choose where they're going to practice. And so you know, relatively, I think we're doing reasonably well, but I do think there is a place for the community-based positions. Um, they are still independent providers out there, and I, I welcome them. To the extent um appropriate to provide care for you know take call and what have you and to do elective procedures um but i think at the end of the day to the extent that we can have loyalty and have them employed by ahs you know we want to we want to do that sometimes too if the utilization is too low
2: it doesn't financially make sense to bring certain specialties or that that said we've had a very successful year recruiting doctors and dr tarnapendi i don't know if you Recall the number Chitra gave her last report. but it was like it was significant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I
8: yeah, yeah, see 30, 30, thirty something. Yeah, um, like 30 in the past so year,
1: yeah. Getting a position yeah. is not a trivial yeah. pursuit. <laughs> okay, let's go on to. Um, I have one question. Oh, sure. With
0: this, yeah, with this game, um, <clears throat> you said that in the brass. Because the five-year they had
5: only two percent over. Are we at parity now with some of our others, or are they the sellers? Yes. At- yes, and we looked, as Kim said, we look at fair market value. and We try and position them, um, uh, you know, in a certain range within fair market value, and then add escalators, you know, throughout the contract in order to to keep that moving. Thank you. So uh, are there any questions, more questions on AIM? All right, thank you. So then moving on, our next um, contract is with um, UCSF, uh, the Division of Oral Maxillofacial Surgery. Um, this is a contract renewal, and I don't know, Dr. Victorino is also might be here on the line. He's the chairperson um of surgery and he was also joining tonight so um, under this contract this is uh, a renewal hi dr victorino um that uh we typically have or this is the goal is to have four oral mastovacial surgeons under this contract that is a requirement under their their residency program as well um this was um uh we brought in ucsf uh, a few years ago and under this program they've been able to significantly expand the services that, that we offer um, for oral maxillofacial surgery, both uh, you know in, in the clinics and in the operating rooms. Um, in addition, um, as you can see in the board report, one of the interesting things that they did was a creation of an anesthesia simulation program, because one of the things about oral um, surgeons is that they do a lot of their own procedural sedation. And so they wanted to create a SIM program in order to create a safer environment in the clinic and that was one of the things um, that they did um, and so we are uh, renewing this um, contract uh, we did uh, bacon around uh, again that the escalators throughout uh, from year one through the end of year three of around uh, averaging around three percent per year for the course of the contract um, and i'll take any questions Dr. Victorino, actually, do you have anything else to add?
1: No.
4: No, I have nothing else to add. Thank you, Dr. Turner-Benny.
1: Any questions on C two? Would somebody care to make a motion to approve both contracts? We definitely... Second. Thank you. Great. Right.
0: May
1: we have a roll call, please?
0: Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Blagassian. Hi. Trustee saying The motion
1: passes. Okay.
5: Trustee Fox, if you wouldn't mind, if I could also just recognize the contracting team, the um, Ira Holly, Minji Lo, and then from our council's office, Ruby Acevedo and Ann Mary Olson, all just uh, you know key and partners to get these across the finish
1: Okay. Thank you very much, you. Ira and, and crew. Appreciate the fact that they're. There may be quite a bit of negotiations, time spent in meetings, discussion, uh, behind these contracts that are brought to us. So thank you for doing that. Uh, keep you. it up, please.
2: We will. Thank you very much, Dr. Turner Benet, for the shout out. Very much appreciated.
1: Thank you for making us aware. <laughs> All right, we're at the end of our agenda. Any Anything else anybody wants to raise? Going once, going twice, okay? There's going to be a brief uh, special board meeting following this meeting. So if you're fortunate enough to be a trustee, <laughs> you get to stay longer. And the air condition is good in here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are adjourned.